Well, we sang from Psalm 128. Let us turn to Psalm 128 in our Bibles. As I stated last Lord's Day is we're going to take a break just this Lord's Day. Uh, and it just happened by virtue of providence that, uh, that this would uh, be appropriate aspect to do today, to go to Psalm 128 with the baptism of Lars Gardner this morning. And so Psalm 128 is about the home. And uh, so I thought what we would do is look at that. If I may also make another comment, I know... <laughs> that for many of you, uh, many of you uh, do not uh, uh, attend the evening worship. I want you to understand, and I would encourage you, uh, if you can, you may want to hear from Psalm 129 tonight, which has continuity with the three Psalms of Ascent, 127, 128, and 129. So we are going to be continuing that theme even this evening. If you're unable to make it this evening, I would encourage you, uh, especially our, our families, young families, I would really encourage you to listen to the Psalm 129 this week uh, as it is posted online. So uh, at anyways, I wanted to make that uh, comment to you. Psalm 128, listen to the infallible word of God. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your, your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold. Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, what a wonderful text about the home. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would put this upon our own conscience, even today, and that we ourselves would seek your continual instruction of your word concerning our own homes and how we live before thee. We ask, O oh Lord, for your spirit to fill our lives and to fill the consciousness of how we discipline, how we exhort, how we encourage each other, not only in the home, but in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. To Christ be the glory. Amen. Oh, the joy and the blessing of being raised in a Christian home. There are those in our congregation who were raised in a Christian home, 
and by God's grace, treasure that blessing to their hearts and also their hearts sing out in thanksgiving unto the Lord. There is also those in our congregation who were raised in homes in which the gospel was not present, but in the Lord's providence, you who were lost were found by the wonderful gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were one who were lost, but you have now been found in Christ, the present task of raising a family may be a mystery because the home in which you were raised did not have a model for your present Christ-centered home. A Christian home is an entirely new experience. Perhaps those in this condition want to yell out, help, help. Well, believe me, those who have been raised in a Christian homes also yell, help. Every Christian parent needs the humble consciousness of being dependent upon the blessings of God's grace, patience, and endurance in raising children in the Lord. After all, the scripture informs us that being raised in a Christian home does not guarantee a child will not depart from the covenant. Right after the fall into sin, and our Lord God's covenant of promise and grace, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, which declares the first promise of the gospel that is in Jesus Christ, our Messiah, we are told of two children being born to Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. One is a murderer, Cain, and one is righteous, Abel. Isaac and Rebekah have two children. One is Jacob, a child who will eventually embrace the promise, and Esau, who rejects the promise of salvation in Christ. Quickly jumping ahead, we come upon David, a man described as being after God's own heart, and his son Absalom, who set himself against the, his father's throne as the king of Israel and set out even to try to extinguish his father, David. All of these covenant breakers were raised in a covenant home. Sadly, we know that many rebel against the gospel even within a Christian home. Also, it is disappointing to listen to many Christian parents, as I have over the years, claim the promise of, of Proverbs 22.6, even as their parenting has a lot to be desired. They maintain that the promise of Proverbs 22, verse 6, will bail them out, which says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. But the problem with parents claiming this promise 
is that Solomon sets this promise in the context of an imperative command. Train up a child in the way he should go. The parent is commanded to raise, yes, to raise that child in terms of the way that he should go, the way of God's word and will, the way of the gospel. Simply put, a persistent, faithful, covenant consciousness must rule the home. That is, no parent can claim the promise of Proverbs 22.6 unless the parent's labor focuses consistently upon the Lord's saving grace and the gift of saving faith in Christ and that all in the home live in obedience to, to Christ's commandments. In a sense here, I'm summarizing Psalm 1. The following two principles are inseparable for the Lord's blessing in the home. First, living by Christ's saving grace. Second, living in the obedience of his word unto glorification. That is the joy of the radiant light of Christ shining in the hearts and in the walk of each person in the home. This sort of reflects back on verse 1 of our text. But note that verses 1 through 4 begins with a blessing upon everyone who fears the Lord, verse 1 of our text of the psalm. And it ends with the man being blessed in that first four verses, who fears the Lord. Verse 4. We are in the midst of a home in which the Lord in covenant has built the house. Psalm 127 and Psalm 128 go together. In this home, the parents have bowed to the Lord's sovereign care and direction. And thus, parents labor, the parents' labor is not in vain. If you go back to 127 verse 1. In Psalm 128, the blessing of our covenant Lord surrounds every function, every aspect that takes place in the home. Psalm 128 describes what a true Christian home looks like among those who live in covenantal faithfulness with and to their Lord. The psalm is not, I repeat, the psalm is not an ideal. It is not a goal that we aim at. Plato's thought which dominates sinful humanity in much of the church today is not the point of this psalm. What do I mean by that? The psalm is not laying out for you a goal which you are aiming to attain by your own efforts. And if you fail, you continue to try to accomplish your goal in your own strength. No, the psalmist is placing you into a real 
covenant home in the Lord, which the Lord has built, Psalm 127.1, by enabling the true believer to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to direct the home in the obedience of faith attached to Jesus Christ and his word. Remember, faith and obedience are inseparable. You grasping the beginning and the end of verses 1 through 4. Note the important phrase which we mentioned earlier. Fears, fears the Lord. To grasp the meaning of this phrase is not difficult for the believer. The words of Solomon, do they not sort of ring loudly in our ears? For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Where does the wise Christian home begin her entire existence? Where does a wise Christian home begin its life? A Christian home that is built by the Lord begins with the fear of the Lord. The Lord does not build his house upon the wisdom and the instruction of and from the world. Are you hearing the Lord in these Psalms? Psalm 127 and 128 from the quotation found in Proverbs 1-7. Each reference to our triune God is a reference to the covenant name of the Lord here. Notice in terms of your translation, the Lord is used. That is the covenant name of the Lord, Yahweh. That's what we're dealing with in terms of this psalm. A Christian home has the Lord in covenant as its center. What does this mean? It means the home is governed by the fear of the Lord. The absolute reverence. What does fear of the Lord mean? The absolute reverence and awe for the Lord's power, grace, Holiness, righteousness, truthfulness, redemption, justice, and goes on and on. Those elements pervade the home. The wisdom of the word of God and his will is the instruction that constantly spreads through the conscious life of everyone within the walls of the home and loves Christ. Let us put more legs on this from, our, from a previous message that I gave on Psalm 127. <clears throat> the house must be built upon the foundation of the Lord, meaning the labor going into the construct of the house is a total commitment to our triune God, the laborer wants a covenant consciousness 
a full dependency upon the Lord to fill every heart, every heart in the house, both parents and children. What does a covenant consciousness mean? What does that phrase mean? You may feel sort of, this is abstract. Tell us what it means. Think Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9. There it is. It means that the word of the Lord must direct the talking. The teaching, the walk, the lying down in the rising up of every person within the home. The Lord's covenant consciousness upon the hearts of his people is a sign on each hand. It must be the focal point of every eye. And the doorposts and the gates of the house declares that the word of the Lord governs this home. Yes, in this house, we love our covenant Lord with all our heart, soul, and might. This is the home that walks in the way of Christ's redemption. Loving Christ's saving work on behalf, on behalf, on our behalf in his death for sin and resurrection unto life. This is the home that finds Christ's commandments as the joy, as the joy of Christian liberty by virtue of our sincere reverence for the cross. This is the home which Psalm 128 states, has the heavenly blessing of the Lord's dwelling within her. Those who respond by living in communion and union with this covenant consciousness unto the Lord will not labor in vain. Going back to 127.1, in fact, the Lord assures them that they will eat the labor of their hands, Psalm 128, verse 2 there, our text. The Lord's blessings counters the curse upon the ground from Adam's sin. Notice that in verse 2. It's countering the curse upon the ground from Adam's sin. In this life faithful covenant lifestyle, the ground will yield its fruit from the labor of your hands and all will be well in your life and home. Beautifully, the Hebrew construct for the word blessed in verses 1, 2, and 4 has the meaning of fertility, which is demonstrated in this psalm's agricultural imagery. Notice how the husband is described in the psalm. He eats the fruit of the labor of your hands. Verse 2, notice the wife is the fruitful vine within your house. Verse 3, 
The children, verse 3, as well, are the olive shoots around the table. These are, all, these are the people blessed in a covenant home that fears the word, that fears the Lord, and walks in his ways. Verse 1. The husband, the father, the wife, the mother, and the children have no desire for their wisdom, their instruction to be from the world. Again, Christ's wisdom and will is their commitment. In fact, in a home built upon the foundation of the Lord, Christian parents, please listen to this, Christian parents are not enablers to, of sin in the lives of their children. Furthermore, Christian parents never turn a blind eye to the outward expressions of sin in each other even as parents, husband and wife, and in their children. As I was reminded this week by a fellow member, Paul tells us that true love in Christ, true love in Christ, does not rejoice in wrongdoing, in evil, in, evil, in sin. First, Corinthians 13, 6. True love in a covenant home impresses upon every child to live their baptism. Baptism as a sacrament is the powerful, visible expression of the covenant in the life of the family applied to the child's life of being nurtured, being nurtured in Christ. This is why the baptism of children is so crucial in the continuity of the covenant life of the church from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Baptism immediately ties the parents to their children in fellowship and communion as the child comes into the world. That's a covenant binding aspect from the Lord himself that is placed upon the child in relationship to the parent. Yes. In baptism, there is the commitment in the home that Christ's death and resurrection rules the entire household from the youngest to the oldest. The sign and seal of baptism is to govern all things that goes on within the home. This means that life in this covenant home is a constant, constant dying and remorse for sin, employing and understanding in your hearts the cross of Christ in your life and the constant living unto the newness of life in the freedom of Christ's resurrection. 
once again, ad nauseum, I know for many in this congregation, Romans 6, 1 through 14. The context, the relevance of this psalm is meaningless without the covenant name of the Lord being presented and the blessings of the Lord being upon the father, the husband, and the mother, the wife, and all, all the children, from the oldest to the youngest. Indeed, the child, the children are sitting around the table in relationship with their covenant Lord, verses 1 and 4. The psalm has nothing to do with presumptive regeneration. That is, the psalm is not assuming that every child sitting around the table is regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The psalm presumes, assumes nothing about the children being eternally saved. Such knowledge of the child and such knowledge of every adult in the home is only known by the Lord who alone knows each heart. Rather, the psalm has everything to do with living willingly under the covenant stipulations of the Lord who brings his showers of blessings upon the home that fears the Lord and walks in his ways. The continual theme there in verse 1. Let me break it down once again in the following manner. The covenant stipulations that produce the Lord's blessings in the home is living in absolute reverence and awe of the Lord's name and living by his commandments. These are inseparable in living the Christian life. As we have crystallized the faithful home living in covenant with the Lord, verses one through four, and that is blessed by the Lord. Now, the eternal, eternal expectations of the Lord's blessings flow out of heaven, out of Zion there, verse 5. As the blessings come out of the heavenly Zion, the psalmist asks for eyes of, the covenant, of, his, of this covenant home to see the earthly prosperity of Zion here on earth in Jerusalem, verse 5. Herein the psalmist is appealing to the faithfulness of the Lord's covenant promise and oath which will go on forever. That is, so that you have the blessing of seeing, note this next phrase, your children's children. It's an interesting phrase. Verse 6. And do not miss that covenant faithfulness is tied to the blessings of children. Seeing the children's children. 
It is the Lord's oath from one generation to the next generation there. That is from the one generation of children in Israel to the next generation of children in Israel. These are ones who serve the Lord safely, faithfully as the sacred and complete shalom peace of the Lord's glory hovers over the homes of Israel. Verse 6. Please, congregation, do not close your eyes to the end of verse 6. The Old Testament view of the covenant of children does not end. In fact, Christ fulfills the covenant of promise. He fulfills the covenant of grace as the promise of the Lord's covenant oath in history. By virtue of his death and resurrection, God's oath about the covenant seen here in Psalm 128.6 is extended into the new covenant. Christ assumes, he assures us of the continuity by taking the child in his arms in Mark 9, 36 and 37 and says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Think in my name. We baptize the infant child in Christ's name along with the Father's name and the Holy Spirit's name. Did not Christ say on the same occasion thinking of that, whoever receives me receives not me, but him the Father who sent me. Furthermore, did Christ, did not Christ tell the disciples to bring the children to him? Mark 10, 13, did not Christ want to touch them? Did not the children come to him? Did not Christ say, to such belongs the kingdom of God? Did he not tell his disciples that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Did he not take the children into his arms and bless them, laying his hands on them? Mark 10, 14 through 16. Christ's teaching about children, including the infant child, does not contradict, nor does it change Psalm 128. Christ is confirming Psalm 128 for the new covenant. In fact, Psalm 128 has its final fulfillment in Christ's words about children and our covenant homes. Every infant child that I have had the honor and the privilege to baptize in this congregation has been a visible expression of Psalm 128 
before your own eyes. Your own eyes. With every infant baptism, we are putting on display so all can see within within that particular household that has come forward, we are praying that the parents and the witnesses in Christ's church will see their children's children enjoying the shalom peace of the eternal heavenly Zion. Yes, these are the parents of the church of Jesus Christ, living in covenant with their triune God. We are praying, fully dependent upon grace, that the name of Christ, the Father and the Holy Spirit will be visible from one generation to the next generation as each child in a particular family is brought to be baptized. Specifically, specifically, with respect to this morning, think in this way. Peter and Megan are bringing their covenant child, Lars, to be baptized with the prayer that the day will come that Lars will consciously embrace by faith the sign and seal of the covenant of grace in his baptism. That is the Christ's death and resurrection. Go on now, Psalm 128. And that Lars' children will consciously by faith Embrace the sign and seal of the covenant of grace in his baptism or their baptism, maybe we should say. That is Christ's death and resurrection. You see, the perpetual aspect of the covenant from one generation to the next by grace. Congregation, as we connect Psalm 128 with the words of our Savior, let us not forget the golden principle found in Augustine's interpretation of Scripture placing Christ in Psalm 128 together. Do you remember what Augustine said? The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. It is one covenant. One covenant from Old Testament to New Testament from the words of the psalmist to the words of Jesus. Let's pray.
our Lord and our God, bless our homes. Help us to understand what it means each day to fear the Lord and to walk in his ways. Help us, O Lord, by thy spirit to be instruments in the world of what a Christ-centered home looks like. We need your help. We need the help of thy spirit. We need the direction and your counsel. And we need to be focused upon what your word teaches so that it is a treasure from one generation to the next. Our children, children. In Christ's name, amen.